So, a quick programming note before we get started. We recorded this episode last Thursday, uh, May 3rd, and so we did not have a chance to talk about the Matt Harvey news, or Albert Pujols' 3,000th hit, or the Mets' current six-game home skid that they're on. My laptop had a little bit of a technical difficulty, meaning that the keyboard and the trackpad just didn't work, which makes it hard for audio editing. So we will discuss those events uh, next week in full, Um, and if you need to know our takes before then, just hit us up on Twitter. So on one hand, I'm kind of happy that it's baseball weather now, because if I go to a game, I don't need to bring 10 layers and like a parka to wear over top of those 10 layers. But on the other hand, I remembered what it's like to be in New York in summer. So count me out on it going from winter to baseball weather in 36 hours. Yeah, what the hell? We got no spring baseball weather whatsoever. I did not get the chance to go to a baseball game in like 7 degree weather when it's like beautiful and you can wear like um, jeans and a t-shirt and just chill. You're not sitting in the baking sun. Nope. Yeah, it's terrible. Yeah. Like I, I've gone from shivering to just sweating. This is not how it's supposed to be. Yeah, there have been people on my Twitter timeline who are sitting there being like, stop complaining, like, after what we've gone through this whole winter. And my response to that is, no, this is terrible. And you're lying to yourself if you're (laughs) saying that you actually enjoy this. You're lying to yourself if you're saying that you actually enjoy this could be Twitter's tagline. (laughs) (laughs) True. Anyway, I'm Bobby Wagner. And I'm Alex Faisley. And this is a new episode of Tipping Pitches. Yeah, it's it been is. a while since we introduced ourselves. So and if you're a new listener, that's what we sound like. <laughs> we often have off air conversations about how people complain about how we sound the same, which we don't think is true, but I guess if you don't really know us, could be true. Yeah. Maybe we should make a vlog. <laughs> Maybe it's two thousand nine. We're expanding the media. We were just talking about how we don't write articles for the website that we made, and we're already planning new media ventures. Yeah, vlogs are even harder than, like, this. Yeah, absolutely. Because you have to edit the audio and the video, and you have to make sure it's, like, framed right and that you don't look weird the whole time. Like, I'm kind of sweaty right now, so yeah. that would look bad on a vlog. <laughs> but yeah. I heard that... Oh, my God. If you if I thought I couldn't stand my voice, I do not want to watch an hour of me <laughs> in front of a video camera. Making stupid facial expressions. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I heard though that, you know, through the Twitter grapevine that Chaboy Logan Paul is leaving his vlog. He's not going to do it anymore because YouTube is hashtag banning him or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, we could just take that corner. Yep. Good riddance. <laughs> yeah, seriously. I'm playing good riddance as the, uh, by Green Day in the background right there. Please do. <laughs> <laughs> Although I think it's your choice, your turn to choose the music. So yeah, I was going to say that you do your job and you pick that song in light of Matt Harvey's um, excursions in LA. I was going to suggest that you play Kanye's uh, no more, no more parties, parties in, in LA, LA, but I feel like that may be a, a bit of a touchy uh, song choice right now. Two on the nose. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, that's true. There are so many reasons that we shouldn't choose that song. Yep. <laughs> Although we should probably just choose it anyway. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> 
because it's for the art man it is he's it, just it no it's a statement yeah he's not i don't know what the statement is but it's there yeah he's not blind anymore <laughs> we're not gonna talk about kanye <laughs> uh you know who we are gonna talk about ichiro ichiro man yeah i'm happy for him yeah there was so much armchair psychology about his mental state and how he couldn't give up the game and how he uses it as like a sort of um like a proxy for his basically his father-son relationship and um i don't know i feel like some of that maybe went a little too far or like people read into it a little much based on that Wright thompson piece which was a really good piece which we should should link to in in light of him um we should say the news is that he is not going to be playing this season and he'll be taking a role with the mariners front office um his agent weirdly said that they didn't rule out playing for next season but it's like if you couldn't play this season are you gonna get better it's not like he was out of shape you know we know that Ichiro basically stuck to the same schedule but either way I'm happy for him because a lot of that like armchair psychology struck me as sort of weird and maybe he just does love playing baseball and didn't feel like letting it go because he I I don't know I can respect someone who doesn't want to give up their routine like it feels weird to give up your routine and what do you do there's a lot of emptiness I am currently doing nothing because I don't have a job right now so it's weird so two things on that related um first of all Ichiro, fun fact, still going to take batting practice during the season and still going to wear his uniform during games. That's weird. <laughs> so he really can't give up that routine. Wait, so he's got to wear his uniform in the front office? I, I mean, I don't know what it's going to be because he can't, he's not allowed to be in the dugout because he's not on a the roster. Or a coach. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so I think maybe he will <laughs> like just sit there in the first row right behind the dugout in his Mariners uniform, which I love. Sure, That's me. Why not? Um, I wear my baseball uniform when I watch at home. <laughs> I have a full Mets get up. I have the player Gabe Bourne jerseys. That's me. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I put on my um, newsboy hat whenever I'm reading an article from the New York Times. I actually do that. Yeah. I, we should get newsboy hats. <laughs> Yeah, why not? That's my, just... my, my, uh, my brother... No one could ever wear a news, newsboy no. hat. Oh, I was just about to say, my brother has one, and he kind of rocks it. But if he wears it unironically, I'm saying, like, if we wore it in Brooklyn, they'd be like, tight, bro. You'd yeah. be walking down the street, and people would be like, they give you a little nod, <laughs> a little thumbs up. Um, so, so, so be that's... like, was that fair trade, bro? <laughs> Stop. <laughs> so that's the first thing, right, is that he's actually not giving up the routine, because he's still going out there every day, which, great. Um, and the second point is that the Mariners open the 2019 season against the A's in Japan. So the speculation is that he'll leave him the room to play one last time. Yeah, exactly. Is that maybe he will, that will be his farewell, which would be really nice in my opinion. And I think in everyone's opinion, it'd be a weird, like season, uh, off season long buildup towards it. It's, It's almost like, um, you know how like NASCAR they do Daytona 500 as the first race, so it's like their Super Bowl is the first game. It yeah. would be sort of like that for the Mariners, because let's be honest, the Mariners not going to be good next year. So uh, it'd be yeah. sort of a gradual decline for their fan base throughout the year. I'm sorry to anyone who's a Mariners fan who's listening <laughs> to this, but like, you yeah, know, I feel your pain, but um, I still think that is a really cool idea. Also, in general, opening the season in Japan. I am for it. Count Absol- me in. Absolutely. It's going to be great. I was, I've been talking with like people on and off Twitter about it and just like the joy of watching a baseball game at like th- four in the morning. <laughs> like I am so here for it. Yeah. Um, I saw a funny, just Bob Nightingale has just been getting owned by everyone on Twitter recently. Yeah. He's been having the str- worst takes, like worse than normal. He said, um, 
Japan will get baseball or something like that. Yeah. That was his tweet. I, I'm really sorry if I'm misattributing this. I'm pretty sure it was Bob Nightingale. No, it, I, it was, yeah. Okay, good. Um, either way, I'm not actually that sorry. But um, he was like, Japan will get baseball again or something like that. And so I think it was Sungmin Kim who quote tweeted it and it was like, yeah, Shinzo Abe actually did ban Japan or ban baseball from Japan yeah. in the last however many years. So they're actually only getting baseball now. Yeah. And they only get it for one day a year, so it's going to be a real event. Yeah, what a take, man. Ba- Japan literally hasn't had baseball until yeah. the MLB decided to come in and be like, "We're going to grace you with this sport that you may never have heard of before." Yeah, they actually they don't know what baseball is. Yeah. <laughs> Either way, back to the point. Back to Ichiro. Anyway, Ichiro, it, it it was a really strange, I think, turn of events because it just happened all of a sudden, right? They just announced it was like, I sort of feel like that's how it always happens with these things, though. Not really, though, because usually, you know, you have the, usually they at least have the the farewell series, maybe, and it's like, okay, this is his last chance, and it was just like, nope, Ichiro's done, no more Ichiro, his last, yeah, his I guess last... with A-Rod it was sort of that, like, farewell. Yeah, or David Ortiz, or Jeter, well, or, or Ortiz Rivera. is different, though, because he was retiring, and, like, he was still good, and he was still playing every day. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think back. You know, Michael Kadire did this, weirdly enough, for the Mets in 2016, because um, he was still playing for a lot of 2015, and then in, he sort of tailed off at the end and realized that he was old, and he had a year or a year and a half left on his contract with the Mets. And he just decided to literally take one for the team and just retire. Yeah. And they didn't have to pay his salary out. He's probably, like, coaching with, like, their double-A team to make the rest of that money so it's not on their (laughs) payroll somehow. I don't know. But either way, you're right. For a player this big, it's a different story. I It's almost the most Ichiro move ever, you know? Because, like, what this means, in effect, is he's like, no, I'm not ruling it out. Like, I'm not going to do a retirement tour because I'm not retiring. Yeah. Like, I'm coming back. Um, what I kind of want is Ichiro just be like a hybrid, like player, manager, general manager for the next like 20 years. And so like he makes all the, um, day-to-day moves and the trades and everything like that. And then like maybe one series in May, he's like, all right, y'all, uh, I'm starting in left field or I'm starting in right field. (laughs) (laughs) And then he's like, all right, back to the front office now. Is that even possible? Like, like. How bad would you be if you actually did that? Yeah. Like, our man Tim Tebow went a, a decade yeah. without playing baseball, came back, and he was not good. Nope. <laughs> I was trying to think about the mechanics. And he would be a lot younger than Ichiro. I was trying to think about the mechanics of that. Like, could you do that? And, like, you obviously couldn't just be on the roster the whole year because you'd just take up a roster spot. But, like, I wonder if you could just theoretically place yourself on the AAA team and then air quotes, call yourself up whenever you wanted to play, you know? But couldn't you, like... Yeah, would you even need to be on the AAA team, though? Couldn't you just sign them for, like, a 10-day contract? Do they not have that in baseball? That's a basketball thing, but do they have that in baseball? I truly I, don't know. I, I guess you could. You could just... You could just... So, say in this hypothetical, Ichiro's the GM, and he's also the player. Uh, so... He's the GM? Oh, I thought he was the manager. Oh, he has I, three roles? Oh, I was I was giving him all the roles. Oh, so he's just the whole team. Oh, in 20 years, Ichiro is just going to be the Mariners. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be Ichiro. Seattle, Seattle Ichiro's. Felix is going to be the pitching coach. <laughs> <laughs> well, regardless, yeah. Robinson Cano is still playing second base somehow. Yeah, seriously. Because he's never run out a single. I Damn, think... Yankees I, hate. <laughs> I think he would just, uh, yeah, I guess sign yourself to a contract. There's not even 10-day contracts. So you would just, like, sign yourself and then release a week later. I guess? The interesting thing, though, would be that he, they probably wouldn't... I mean, not probably. They 
I guess if Ichiro was the GM, they could do this, but you wouldn't waste a 40-man roster spot on him. Yeah. So in theory, another team could sign him as a player while he was the GM and manager of a different team. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like he's managing the Mariners, and the A's come to town, and they're like, nope, you're playing for us, and you're also managing the other team. Yeah. So what do you even do in that situation? I wonder, you're just like giving you're you're playing left field for the A's and you're giving signs to the hitter. <laughs> I mean, I wonder if that could happen right now. You know, like what if the Yankees were like, "We'll pay you ten million dollars to come and <laughs> to come and play for us." <laughs> I, I mean, I think he would say no. Oh, he absolutely would say no. I don't think <laughs> also, he wants to retire. The Yankees, Yankees are not just a circus. You know, they have a real team this year. Yeah. So. There's not really a PR benefit to it for them. No. No one in New York cares about Ichiro. Yeah, it's not like they're selling any more seats. Yeah. They're already selling all the seats. Yeah. Can confirm. Yeah. All the people in those seats are still booing Giancarlo Stanton. <sighs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, we're not going back to that. Instead, what we should talk about is... Well, first of all, we should give each Ichiro his official due. Yeah. What a career. If this is actually the end, or if he only plays one more game, um, Wow. Truly yeah. incredible. Do you have a favorite Ichiro moment? Um, I don't know that I have a... Not to put you on the spot or anything. Yeah, I didn't do any research before this, so I'm kind of thinking off the top of my head. I don't know that I have a... F- I can't think of, like, a moment necessarily. All right, I got um, two things. But I w- what I will say is Ichiro has been playing professional baseball longer than Shohei Otani has been alive, <laughs> which is amazing. Um, has he been doing it longer than we've been alive? Oh, well, yeah. Is Otani older than us? He's yeah. Yeah, he's like 23 or 24. Okay. So Ichiro started playing professional baseball in 1992, which is ridiculous. Damn. That's insane. That's like almost as old as my sister. And I'd, I would like to just have it be stated on the podcast that Ichiro is the hit king. Yeah, he's like, the hit king. Like, hands down, it's not an argument. We're not going to make a discussion about, like, Pete Rose or Ichiro because it's not a discussion. Yeah, Sorry. It's not up for debate. Don't come at us with that. Honestly, do come at us with that. Literally, no. I don't want to hear your takes about how it's Pete It's not Rose that they want to hear your takes. Just start some lukewarm controversy about this so that we can get some limelight. Yeah. We are also... literally 100% in this for the attention. So if someone really wants to come at us, just put us on blast. I don't care. Roast us on Twitter. No, it's true. You're Make all... us the whatever Malin of the week. Well, I mean, if you follow us and you uh, come at us with that take, it's fine because we're trying to keep the ratio down. So we'll just block you and it'll be all good. <laughs> Uh, that's funny Um, the two things that stand out to me well the one thing because MLB put it on Instagram today there's this video of Ichiro I don't know when it's from but it's from his first stint with the Mariners I believe and there's just like a big there's big block text under the bottom of the video and it just says throwing and it's just a very zoomed in version of Ichiro standing like right on the, the bottom of the hill and throwing towards a home plate and there are four baseball bats lined up um like standing upright for the barrel being the base and he hits the knob and knocks all four of them over on four straight throws and also he's like wearing a galaxy sweatshirt like pack sun before pack sun and he has frosted tips <laughs> i just i need to i need an oral history of this video no. maybe we should write that for the blog yeah an oral history of the time ichiro knocked over four bats in a row <laughs> No one would read that except me, <laughs> and you, and, like, Grant Bridsby. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then the other thing is, I forget if I've mentioned this, I probably have, because 
there was that one episode like last summer or whatever or forever ago when we actually talked about Ichiro for a little while. Um, it must have been like when he was getting ready to break the pinch hit record for the season or something like that. Um, I mentioned, I'm pretty sure, a friend of mine from high school who has this theory that Ichiro could have hit a home run in every plate appearance if he wanted to, but he didn't think that that was the best thing to do in baseball, so he just chose not to do that. Yeah. And I know that that's sort of like this conspiracy theory that's out there, and people don't actually think that he could hit a home run 100% of the time, because obviously he knows that that would be the best thing for his team, but that Ichiro has like this secret power hidden that he hasn't used because he doesn't want to like sacrifice his on-base percentage and contact rate and all that stuff, and he didn't want to hit under 300. So people think that he could have hit like two... 75 with like 30 home runs every year i i just think that's really fun yeah because i I believe it who is good enough who else among us besides ichiro and barry bonds has been a good enough hitter where you're like he could just change how he hits every year and mike trout i guess he could just decide he wants to be a power hitter this year he could decide he wants to hit for more contact he could decide he wants to walk more like i feel like that is the biggest compliment and it's sort of like this is a basketball idiom too where you can just sort of toy you're so good that you can toy around with how you want to be good like game to game and i feel like there's no other thing you need to know about Ichiro other than like people genuinely believe that he could have just hit 30 home runs a year if he wanted to (laughs) yeah i that's a conspiracy theory that i 100 percent believe and i think people have like taken dives into this before about like what would Ichiro look like as a power hitter and i'm like i don't I don't really want a statistical analysis of it. I just want the theory of like yeah, Ichi- some things Ichiro are meant not could, to be explained. Ichiro could have been one of the best power hitters in the game, and that's all I need. Ichiro to know. could have hit 500 home runs. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> they, um, there was this quote that I read like a while ago um, from like his agent, I think, um, that where his agent was basically like, when you are sending Ichiro um, mail back home from the states you just have to put his first name on the envelope. That's how big he is over there. Icon. Yeah. He's an icon in so many ways. So too. many ways. Like, Fa- fashion icon. Yeah, he was, that's what I'm saying. He's literally a fashion icon. My man uh, cuffed his pants like a foot up. And I'm like, honestly, if Ichiro does it, uh, it's good enough for me. Yeah, true. Yeah. Ichiro, so everything... Anyway, that's, that's the new look of the summer. Yeah. Ichiro, everything Ichiro does is cool. Yeah. And it's just like a very silent unassuming coolness yeah. you know he just does it and you're like oh it's Ichiro yeah what a legend <laughs> I'm so sad that we don't get him anymore but also like I said I'm happy that he's sort of going out in a way that isn't just playing for three more years and sort of holding the Mariners hostage and not being able to cut him because if they cut him the fans would revolt yeah so this is a better path in my opinion yeah I was trying to think of like an analogy for him today and I didn't really come up with one, but like, what basically what I can think of is like, Ichiro is like the sun, we're like always there, always burning red hot, and like you kind of take it for granted, and then if it were to go out, then you'd be like, oh shit, I think we're gonna kind of miss that, aren't we? <laughs> uh, when can I buy your book of poetry? <laughs> Are you doing any live readings? Yeah, I'm gonna put that on a shirt actually. You actually should. Ichi- you should stand outside. A coffee shop and just read that. <laughs> Can you do that in slam version? Stop. <laughs> uh, now that we finished talking about Ichiro for probably over 20 minutes, um, who Ichiro is, you can't insult him at all. He's beyond reproach. Yeah. Um, someone who's apparently not beyond reproach is 
Yankees used to be ace, I guess. They sort of traded him with the idea that he would be traded for him with the idea that he would come in and be like a 1B kind of situation behind Severino. And that's Sonny Gray, who's your boy. He's been facing a lot of hate in the media and on Twitter recently. The SI media columnist, his name's Jimmy Trena. He is a Yankees fan, and he, I think in all seriousness, tweeted, Sonny Gray for Matt Harvey. Let's do it. <laughs> and then um, on Bill Simmons' podcast, they talk about the Yankees and Red Sox a lot. He has this uh, he has this friend on Jacko as a guest and he is just like Sonny Gray is like the bane of Jacko's existence right now and he was just absolutely shredding him for being a quote nibbler which I don't really know what that means I guess he's supposed to just throw the ball down the middle every time which is less than stellar um but either way I would like to give you a quick second as someone who loved Sonny Gray when he was an A and hated to see him go and were happy that he went to someone who wasn't the Astros I'd like to give you a quick second to defend Sonny Gray, your prodigal son who will hopefully someday return. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't actually do any uh, research on this beforehand, and I'm also rolling without my computer on this episode, so I'm just going to have to go with like the heart and be like, I think he's fine. We read a lot of numbers last week, so let's not do any numbers. No statistical analysis. No statistical one. analysis? Okay. Zero. I, I will throw out one, and that's that... His walk rate is almost as high as his strikeout rate, which is less than ideal. It's not good to walk six batters per nine. So, first of all, nice. Second of all, <laughs> that's really bad. That's really bad. And I don't know what the deal is. And um, I think he's going to be okay. I was reading something about how um, the the Yankees, you know, encourage their pitchers to throw fewer fastballs. And... That is hurting Sonny Gray just because I think that he he has a decent fastball and he kind of relies on that to set up his off-speed pitches. And it's like, this is where the idea comes in that, like, you can't just throw out a blanket way that, like, every pitcher should use more off-speed pitches because that's just not how it works because pitchers are different individuals. So, like, uh, don't come for Sonny Gray. Also, it's, okay, it's May now. So we've had a month of baseball. I understand that, like, this is the point of the season where you can start worrying, like, you can start worrying about Sonny Gray a little bit. You can start worrying about Clayton Kershaw a little bit. but He's bad. Clayton Kershaw? Yeah, that's the take. Oh, no. All he's, heart, no fats. I, facts. I don't he's think he's, I think, I he's going to re-sign with the Dodgers at the end of the season. I would be shocked if another team decided to pick him up. Yeah. He's going to end up playing in Japan. <laughs> him and Ichiro. Thanks, Rob Manfred, make... for bringing it back. <laughs> him um, and Ichiro are going to make the best team Japan has ever seen. But I, I think that... Sonny Gray is going to be okay. It's hard for me to like entirely defend him because I actually didn't know that his walk rate was that bad until He's I just He's been really bad. He's been really bad, yeah. So maybe there's just a little retooling that needs to be done, but like I don't believe that just overnight he just became a bad pitcher. Yeah. I just I just don't believe that. And also like what do you even do besides let him pitch through it? Like you know, you don't have a ton of other rotation options as the Yankees. Like, the whole thing is yeah, like... they and Jordan Montgomery just went down. Yeah, the whole thing is like they might need to trade for a pitcher. They might need to sign a pitcher next year. Like, the presumptuous one is Patrick Corbin from the Diamondbacks. But, like, it's not like a walk rate of six is going to be fixed if you go to the bullpen. Yeah. Um, Unless it's, like, I guess a mechanics issue. And you can sort of, like, try things out in shorter stints and not have to worry about going six innings. But, like, the Yankees' bullpen is pretty full. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know a game that he can get into unless they're like up a ton or 
they actually sometimes they actually like need these guys like they're they're pitching mentality is predicated on guys just going like five or six innings and then bringing in their dominant bullpen and winning games that way i guess if the offense is getting like 12 runs per game (laughs) which it has been for a while now um i guess in that case but at that point why not just let him be the starter and give up six runs and figure things out if they're gonna score 12 you know yeah you kind of do just have to let him pitch through it like it's so you've had um, a month of starts, so five starts, or give or take, five or six starts. I feel like five or six bad starts is a little soon to just like pull the plug on him as a starting pitcher, especially when he has a t- track record of being better than this. Like He was good for them, as far as I remember, when he came over from the A's last year. So Yeah, he had a couple of bad starts, but yeah, like yeah. it's hard not to have bad starts as a righty at Yankee Stadium Yeah, <laughs> from time to time. Like. Your boy Severino had a terrible start at the worst time of the year in the wildcard game, and he was awesome last year. I mean, I think it's all about realistic expectations for Sonny Gray. He's not going to win Cy Young. You know what I mean? His ERA has always sort of floated around the three to four range when he's been his best, and last year it was over four, if if I remember correctly. And that's because, like, he has struggled with walks from time to time. And if you start walking people at Yankee Stadium, like I said, you're going to give up a decent amount of home runs. And if they're not all solo shots, you're going to have a lot of bad starts. And so I don't think that he just completely lost his control. But, you know, maybe maybe in 10 starts, we realized that we were wrong. And yeah, maybe he did lose his control. I don't know. <laughs> but what do you do about that? I mean, yeah. it's not like the Yankees are going to be fine. They just like they do this every year where there's sort of an outsider and they just put all of their ire on him. And I think it's dumb. Yeah. Like yeah, we don't have to have another episode where we like rag on the Yankees and their fans, like because, fans because we do that enough on this podcast, but I don't do know. Do can you ever do it enough though? Uh, my mom thinks that you can, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Your mom who is like a quasi Yankees fan. Yeah, a legit Yankees fan. Your mom's like a fan of four different teams or three different teams, right? Yeah. And I guess it makes sense when you're an A's fan to like want to have other avenues of support right well like grew up watching the yankees and the dodgers and then became an A's fan as she moved to the bay area that's fair so although i will exercise my right to yell at yankees fans because i've experienced a lot of pain at the hands of them this has nothing to do with your mom yeah great lady Uh, okay regardless <laughs> we're just gonna do a five minute stint on your mom who no one who listens knows um either way yeah i think he's gonna be fine yeah don't freak out yeah you that's guys are I, fine that's all i can say yeah you have enough bright lights on your team that it really makes no sense to direct all your anger at one or two guys who have not been as good as expected you could Sorry. be like the mets fans and just direct all of your hate towards aj ramos which is a weird take when blevins has been worse yeah <laughs> For our next topic, it's a little a little bit of Twitter drama, a little bit of Twitter beef. You want to introduce this one? Uh, sure. So um, I'm kind of just going off the top of my head here because I don't have any of the posts in front of me. I guess and, I could bring And frankly, that's probably a good thing uh, to it's... not have any Twitter posts in front of you at any time ever. Um, but the gist of it is that uh, Trevor Bauer and Lance McCullers got into a bit of a Twitter spat um, in the last week. Trevor Bauer polarizing figure as he is essentially decided to he suggested 
in conversation with Kyle Body, who is um, a, a trainer at Driveline Baseball, which Trevor Bauer works with. You don't need to explain all the details. A lot of people um, work at Driveline Baseball. It's like a it's a pitching yeah um, training facility. Yeah, essentially, it uses a lot of these like forward thinking. For Lincecum was working out when people finally discovered that he was still alive. Yeah, basically. Um, uh, which side note is Tim Lincecum still alive? He's on the DL. When are we going to see him? As soon as possible, please. Yeah, seriously. But we don't have Etro, so we need another legend from the past. Yeah, honestly. <laughs> but anyway, back to the point. Um, in this in this conversation, um, Trevor Bauer decided to suggest that because the Astros pitchers' spin rates are all up, uh, especially Garrett Cole's this year, that they may be cheating. <laughs> that may be the reason that they're all very good and their spin rates are uh, up across the board. And this raised a lot of concern and um anger uh, among people specifically lance mccullers who decided to be like hey yo trevor jealousy's not a real good look on you like you have your thing i have my thing let's just like do our own things yeah and it was like a really i think honest response like i don't think he was trying to like dunk on him pwn it like you know like the very twitter thing where you quote tweet someone and just absolutely annihilate their tweet right below them yeah i think it was literally like I think I think he even said this. I think he was like, you know, like you're too good to be doing this on Twitter. This is stupid. If you really have a problem, like call us. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. I think that was what he was implying. Um, it is kind. Of, I have to say, first of all, Trevor Bauer is an ass. But second of all, it is kind of weird that all of their spin rates are up. That's not something that you just like increase overnight. Yeah. So the bit of I don't think that they're cheating, like bad-hearted cheating. I mean. Plenty of teams use weird substances, and that helps them. And baseball, MLB doesn't really enforce that. Yeah. So there's like, this is a really layered conversation. And honestly, all of it is fascinating, in my opinion, because you have a few different things working here. One, yeah, the Astros spin rates are generally all up. And so you have guys like Charlie Morton, who's just throwing harder as an Astro. And so that's what you can attribute to the higher spin rate, because that's what happens when you throw harder. But then you have Garrett Cole, who's like, it's not even just his, the range of like his spin rate went up. Like it just, it just boosted overnight when he came to the Astros. So I don't know how you explain that. Maybe they're cheating. Maybe they're not cheating. I don't know. But also if you're, if you're quote unquote, cheating and it's a rule that MLB doesn't enforce are you really cheating like are you cheating if you don't get out of the way of a pitch and get hit and the umpire doesn't call it right that's not cheating right you know what I mean like if MLB was like you expressly to the Astros like you can't do this and they continue to do it that's cheating but if everyone else can get away with it too like this goes to that whole slippery slope of like a Patriots debate like if everyone could do this and get the benefit from it, they would. The Patriots are just better at cheating than everyone else, right? Right. And so I think that gets at the core of Bauer's argument, which is that, like, the MLB should either enforce this rule or... Get rid of it. Or just get rid of it. Which, like, frankly, they should probably just get rid of it because it sounds like more pitchers do this, like, use some sort of substance to get a better grip on the ball than not. And the MLB has no way of forcing that because it's really hard to control if the guy's going to his arm because he's sweaty or because he sprayed sunscreen there. Like, you don't know. Yeah, but, like, the MLB won't get rid of this rule because that would help pitchers too much, and the MLB doesn't want to help pitchers because already pitchers get better every year, and the MLB has to figure out a way to make hitters get an advantage again. Right, but if you don't enforce the rule, then, like, 
<laughs> what's the point? Like yeah. you might as well go. And if well, the majority of and if the majority of pitchers do this already, it's not like you're boosting everyone's stats across the board. But I think what Trevor Bauer is saying that some people have this like higher moral code where they won't break the yeah, rules, exactly. and that's fucking dumb. Guess exactly. what? The Astros won the World Series last year. Yeah, yeah. Trevor Bauer is the the kid in class who's like, hey, this kid's cheating over here. Yeah, and I think it's we like, can agree. It's that, like, like it's like, bro, you could just cheat too. Yeah, I think that we can agree that it's pretty lame to be like hashtag exposed yeah. on Twitter, you well, know, like and, really, if you really had a problem, call Rob Manfred. And the, I, I like think, how we, I like how we talk about how just Rob Manfred is just taking just all these calls. As these if he's calls. Like, <laughs> Rob Manfred just sitting in his office waiting to field calls from Japan, from Trevor Bauer, yeah. from Ichiro, from the Mariners. Like, but I think the, honestly, that is all Rob Manfred does. <laughs> maybe the funniest part about this whole thing is the way that Trevor Bauer uh, I, I don't know, proved his point to some extent because he, he has a point that like, he, the, you know, they've been doing studies at driveline um, that using uh, these substances like pine tar or whatever to get a better, better grip on the ball does increase spin rate. And that's believable. That's fine. Of course it does. Um, but a, a lot of this data is not public. Um, but so what Trevor... No good data is public. Right, exactly. But so what Trevor Bauer decided to do, and he dropped hints that he might do this, and uh, I think Kyle Boddy specifically said, yeah, maybe you guys should just go look at Trevor Bauer's recent stats. And so some writers dug into Trevor Bauer's spin rates in his most recent game. <laughs> and in the very first inning, his spin rate was up about 300. And then it was back down to his normal levels the rest of the game. Suggesting that Trevor Bauer, to prove his point that pine tar increases spin rate, just cheated for pine the first tar <laughs> in the first inning, which is honestly such a baller move. And also, I think what's funny about this is it means that he already had this in his mind before he got into a Twitter fight about this with Lance McCullers and everything. He had in his mind, he's like, I'm going to prove these suckers wrong. <laughs> and so he went out into the game, uh, put pine tar on his fingers in the first inning. And then got on Twitter a day later and was like, F you Astros for doing this sort of thing. Go look at my stats. That's I don't know, man. Next level planning. He Seriously. needs a hobby. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. Trevor Bauer needs to, has way too much time on his Actually, hands. I'm so wrong. He doesn't need a hobby because last time he had a hobby, he attacked himself with a drone. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's, I think, what gets to the, why he's upset about this too, is that he, um, he attacked himself with a drone and split his pinky open and he wanted to put like glue on it. To, and they said no. And they said no. And he got really pissed about this. And so Trevor Bauer's been upset about this for like a year now. What a juvenile way of handling the situation. Yeah, incredible. I hate the way that he did this. I know. Maybe I'm with him to some extent, but it's just, it sounds like such sour grapes when you put it that way. Yeah. Like, I agree with his general analysis of the rules and what Pine Tar does, and I disagree with him being like, so clearly all the Astros are cheating because that's quite an accusation to make. Yeah. Without proof. Unless, like, Justin Verlander was like, yo, Trevor, we're cheating. Don't tell anyone. <laughs> you know, like... Yo, Trevor, did you see what I just did to the Yankees? <laughs> Try some pine tar, my guy. <laughs> anyway, I if you aren't familiar with, like, spin rate or, like, the goings-on of Twitter, this might be a really boring conversation, but I think it just illuminates how childish Trevor Bauer is, at the very least. Basically, if you're not familiar with spin rate, brief summary, since we started like tracking the ball more closely with StatCast, one of the things that we've been tracking a lot more to judge how pitchers 
perform is spin rate because it suggests a lot of things about the quality of your stuff and it's not always predictive but a lot of the times for the best pitchers they have really high spin rates and that affects the way that the ball moves in theory there's a lot more like deep physics to it but that is basically the the crux of the issue is that trevor bauer saying they're getting a higher spin rate and thus their pitches are moving better or going faster yeah so i don't really know what to make of this <laughs> frankly i think it's just very strange um do you think and nobody's of... gonna do anything about it no they're just gonna let it blow over what I'm... if he just keeps tweeting I, what if Trevor Bauer just has a sub one ERA because his hand is just full of pine tar for the rest of the year? I feel like they have to do something about it at that point. I don't know if you remember. Uh, do you remember a few years ago when the MLB um, suspended Michael Pineda because he was out there and he had pine tar all uh, over his the back neck, of his neck and all over like his glove and it was like, it was my dude, most I don't flagrant. care if you do this, but please make it more discreet. Yeah, it'd be like. Freaking Mark McGuire shooting steroids in the dugout. Yeah, <laughs> like walking up with like a needle in his arm. <laughs> Jeez, man. Uh, anyway, MLB players are childish. Of course, we talk about um, how baseball players should be like more outspoken and like have more personalities. And of course, the one who has like the biggest, most outspoken personality is like a, is like a Trump supporting douchebag. Yeah, he's the worst. Yeah. All right, whatever. Let's stop talking about Trevor Bauer. <laughs> I hope the sack is full up. I'm fucking no, I'm fucked up. Spend it when I get that. I ain't trying to keep you. Can't keep up a conversation. Can't nobody read you. Why your eyes well up? Did you call me from a seance? You were from my past life. Hope you're doing well, bro. So a weird thing happened in the past week. Twitter sort of blew up with it. And just a lot of people wrote articles about it. Um... The Yankees were playing the Astros. As I mentioned earlier, Justin Verlander had an incredible game. He went eight innings, struck out 14, and then for the ninth inning, they pulled him and put in, the Astros pulled him, put in their closer, Ken Giles, and he immediately uh, struggled, gave up a three-run home run to Gary Sanchez, put someone else on base, and then got pulled without getting any outs. And in frustration, as he was walking off the field, he was just sort of um demonstratively like throwing his hands down and then i i might not be getting the exact play by play of this right but essentially um like reached up and hit himself in the face and then went back again and then like punched himself across the face yeah it was like obviously a really weird shocking like ready-made twitter moment and a lot of people capitalized that and wrote stories because it's a very like baseball player punched self in the punches self in the face and you think like maybe it was an accident maybe it was dumb um we wanted to talk about this because there was a lot of weird reduction of this and talking about this in a weird way that was like, what a stupid thing he did. Or yeah, like, look at, look at how funny it is. This ba- people are still making jokes about it. Like Ken, like pictures of Ken Giles, like writing on something in the dugout and being like, I will not punch myself in the face. I will not punch myself in the face. And, and that's dumb. Yeah. Quite frankly, there was a piece in the New Yorker by uh roger angel yeah. who is like a really long time baseball writer and has been covering baseball forever is like what 96 97 or something like that has seen pretty much every baseball game ever <laughs> <laughs> or at least the ones that mattered yeah. <laughs> and essentially what he does is call him a baby for doing this yeah i'll just read the last paragraph because i think that i think we both agree that that's like the most egregious part of it um, so he says, six Yankee pitchers delivered 13 strikeouts of their own and one more zero, bringing the surging Yankees their 10th win in the last 11 games. The two teams will engage again tonight and tomorrow. 
Part of the fun will be watching Giles on the bench and looking for bruises. That what an awful thing to say. Yeah, that, I think it was Lindsay Adler who pointed this out. At least to me, she tweeted about it and was like, "This is a, a really weird look from the New Yorker to like write a piece like this, and from Roger Angel in general, and just sort of like making the point that it's really not funny." to watch someone hurt themselves or try to at least especially on like national television when i don't know you don't really know you don't know enough about ken giles to know if this was like just a one-off angry moment or like what is really going on mentally there yeah yeah the whole like watching someone else's anger porn of it is kind of weird yeah it's so it speaks to this idea that we really expect i mean we talk all the time on this podcast about like toxic masculinity um that's and probably the if you made a drinking game to this podcast, that would be a weird thing to drink to, but that would be the <laughs> thing that you would get. <laughs> that would be one of the things. Yeah, it's like that and Rob Manfred. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's this whole idea that like we expect these athletes to essentially be perfect. And when they're not and they get upset or something, it's like, haha, look at this person getting upset. And it's like what they exist for is purely our entertainment. And we strip the human emotional value out of it entirely. And I understand like why Ken Giles did what he did, right? Like that's a frustrating situation to be in. And um, I don't know enough about like his uh, history just as a person to, yeah, know if this was- I don't was really think anyone does, no, right? No, but to just be like, this man was incredibly frustrated with himself and essentially self-harmed on national television. And Twitter's whole reaction was, Haha, that's pretty funny. What, like, what does that say about us? Like this idea that we expect um, men to push down their mental health um, or be let this stuff roll off their back. Like we expect these, um, we put these athletes on a pedestal and expect them to be perfect. And when they're not, or they slip up, like this is what drives this is what drives him to do this sort of thing because yeah. he does this and we laugh at it. I mean, yeah. Also, I think what drives him to do this sort of thing is that the stakes that we put on baseball, the stakes that we put on late relievers, the stakes that we put on people to perform, and the way in which they can express failure. Right? That we there is no room in baseball, at least among like the the traditional like guard the guard that Roger Angel is sort of speaking for and speaking about, there is no room for accepting failure. And there's no there's no real room for any other reaction besides like bear down, man up. And I think I think this is sort of like a this is sort of like the logical conclusion that you get to if you're someone who's always had to bear down and man up when you failed, right? You know, you are supposed to express this sort of anger and then you get called a baby for it when you express it like slightly too much in a way that might indicate that you can't really deal with that anger at in that moment. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And what's interesting about it though, is that like, it wasn't just old white men who were being like, he's a baby. He has to man up. Right. You had this bad piece from Roger Angel, but you also had all of Twitter just Young like white said, just as yeah, <laughs> just l- laughing at this essentially, and being like, "I wonder if he's gonna do it again." You know, like this and that. Um, just generally kind of unacceptable. And this is what I was talking about. Uh, I don't know, last week or the week before, um, about watching baseball players struggle, right? And like how hard it is for me 
morally, like as a fan. Like I think I mentioned Jim Johnson on the A's, yeah. and he was really bad as the closer. He was not very good. I think what you said was he was blowing most of the saves. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was. It was. But it was hard to watch because on the one hand, I'm like, I want him to succeed because I want the A's to win. But also it was like, I want him to succeed because it physically pains me to watch him fail on a national stage so much national. I just called the A's on a national stage. (laughs) But like any... If you think about it, 8,000 fans at the stadium is kind of national. All right. (laughs) I think think they have bumped their average up to double digit thousands, so... Damn! Yeah. But, you know, it's like this whole idea of... I don't don't know. It just... It hurts me to watch a, a player perform poorly against the A's. It's not fun because these are humans and we strip them of that. I mean, like I said, we strip them of that humanity so often and just expect them to show no emotion. And when they fail, it's like suck it up and go back out there the next day and do it. And it's like, that's not how it works. Like if you failed miserably at your job, you wouldn't just be like, oh, I'm just going to like suck it up. Like it happens. Like (laughs) exactly. (laughs) Like you'd feel pretty bad about it. Yeah. I don't know. Like that's, that's pretty much it. Right. Is that yes, qualitatively being a baseball player is different than being an accountant or being a teacher or being this or that but it doesn't change the fact that just because they get a lot of money doesn't mean they don't feel a lot of pressure hundreds of thousands of people don't watch you make a rounding error as an accountant yeah you know it's like just the people in your office and you feel a lot of remorse probably for that and i'm sure he felt a lot of remorse for the fact that he sort of blew Justin Verlander's really great game. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's sad. Yeah. And and this is compounded by his postseason struggles last year, right? And so we've basically had like he's had kind of a rough six or eight months, right? Yeah. Like like that like Other thing, than that ring. Yeah. <laughs> True. <laughs> yeah. But like things still, I I am not gonna speak for him, but personally if I struggled in if I was a Major League Baseball player, and then, like, I struggled in the postseason... Wait, that, you're not a Major League Baseball player? <laughs> that ring might be twinged with a little bit of guilt and be like, be like, well, like, like I didn't necessarily do anything to help this, right? Um, and this is not me, like, calling him out or anything like that, but it's more to say, like... Yeah, I think that would I be think, wrong. That'd be a wrong way to think about it. Yeah. Like, because I, he did do a lot to help them get there. Yeah, exactly. But I think that, yeah, I don't know. I think clearly there is some sort of... I don't know, culmination there and, and of emotions that he let out in a fit of rage. Well, and also, like, I think you touched on it early, but also, like, we expect them to only just do baseball, you know, and to not, and if they're failing at baseball, like, to just fix it or get out. We don't have good practices for accepting people who are working through struggles. And that sort of even touches back to, like, the Sunny Gray conversation, is that they're just like, get them out of here, right? Like, somehow, as a fan you earned the right to be like you shouldn't be out here you shouldn't be on our team and you're you're sort of a baby if you don't perform right and you get mad about it i don't know where like where along the lines fans thought that they sort of got that right yeah um i i don't know the fans feel like this sort of sense of entitlement over these people's lives because in essence fandom is why these players can make money and can do what they do but also I think fandom is really reductive and really sort of damaging to a lot of these people's personal lives because you know that had even if he had not done this right like all the conversation is about um the video of him but had he 
not done this, the conversation still would have been about him and it still would have been about his bad outing. And so I'm sure somewhere in the back of these players' minds or in the front of these players' minds, they're thinking about, you know, not only am I mad because I didn't do what I am, this one thing that I've been conditioned to think that I'm really good at and this one thing that I'm conditioned to do and am supposed to be good at like they're this is their essentially their one skill that people tell them is the only thing that matters about them and not only are they thinking about that but they're also thinking about the fact that every fan on twitter is like fucking giles right let's get this dude out of here he hasn't been good since 2017 august right and and that's like first of all most fans don't know what they're talking about and second of all there's just a lack of imagination for allowing players to work through their failures as fans and I'm saying that as someone who has, you know, failed in that aspect also, has sort of been mad at players, not just about, like, morally wrong things that they've done, but about their performance and been like, get this dude out of here. Why is he coming into the game? I have done that, as I'm sure probably you have at some point in your life, too. Right. Yeah. But I think we all need to check ourselves in that aspect. Like, so what? Baseball player X fails. Yeah. Like, not everyone's going to be good forever. Ken Giles probably still really good pitcher was a very good pitcher last year yeah like it's not the end of the world as a fan and i think if we all stop sort of pretending like it's the end of the world that ken giles blew one of 162 games like maybe everyone would be better off for it (laughs) maybe as fans we wouldn't feel so terrible all the time yeah it and it's especially hard as a reliever i think because the bar for approval is so high because everyone's always going to qualify everything you do with like Okay, but he's a reliever. So if you come in and pitch a clean inning, it's like... You did your job. That's what you're supposed to do. Like, you don't get praise for doing what you're supposed to do. But if you blow a save, it's like, what the hell were you even doing out there? Right? I mean, and if... Especially uh, if you blow, like, three of five saves, which is just like, that could be a clustering, and the rest of the season you could be fine. But because you blew three three of five saves in, like, a critical point of the season, you're all of a sudden, like, the devil. Yeah, and that's something that's not applied to, like, hitters or starting pitchers as much, because if you're a starting pitcher and you throw a great game, it's like, that's awesome. You, you know, I loved I loved watching James Paxton strike out. Well, I didn't like watching James Paxton strike out, like, 17 A's batters <laughs> yesterday, but, like, he did it in, like, amazing pitching performance, right? Um, when Mookie Betts hits three home runs, you're like, wow, that's awesome. Or if uh jose altuve is hitting 330 you're like this is such a joy to watch you're not sitting there being like well it's your job to hit um but the bar to clear is for a reliever is like you have to be josh Hader who strikes out eight pitchers in in fewer than three innings (laughs) (laughs) and if you just come in and pitch a clean inning it's like okay thanks on to the next guy right i feel like fans just have this very dumb idea that being a reliever is easier yeah than being a starter yeah and that's because relievers work in short a lot of relievers are converted starters who just couldn't do it for the full length right but just because just because they're pitching at a different time in the game doesn't mean their job is any less stressful or i would argue that oftentimes it's more stressful because you don't have like i hated being a reliever i hated coming in in the middle of the game it was the worst thing ever because i didn't feel like i had control over improving throughout the game like i didn't feel like i had an inning or two to like work through things and sort of as a reliever that can be really stressful. That can that can like negatively affect how you perform and sort of it can have like a pile on effect. And everyone hates their bullpen. Every fan hates their bullpen. With the exception of like very dominant bullpens throughout history. Like the Yankees bullpen last playoffs. They were like, just get it to the pen, just get it to the pen. But like most of the time people feel terrible about their bullpen because 
that's the point of the that's the point in the game where the leverage is so high because there aren't that many innings to come back. Like if you give up three runs in the first inning, no one's like game over. Let's go home. Even though if you give up three runs in the first inning as a starter, your team's probably going to lose. Yeah. Most likely your team is going to lose. But if you give up three runs in the seventh inning as a reliever, forget about it. Like you're suddenly, I don't even know, you're suddenly, you should just be shipped to Timbuktu. <laughs> it's really weird. Yeah. So I don't know. I, this is I not to, I don't want to rehash this whole argument because we had it last week, but this was kind of the point I tried to get at with regards to how Matt Harvey conducted himself post game in that like we don't leave a lot of these players room for error. And obviously these are two, it's kind of comparing apples to oranges because Harvey's situation is very different. But this idea that... Uh, <laughs> I just, I can't even think about Harvey right now because of the whole partying in know, LA, even though they're playing in San Diego. <laughs> I know, but but essentially it's a, this idea that like, look, why are athletes not allowed to, to get upset at themselves or show these negative emotions, right? I mean, we don't, we allow for very little leeway either way. It's like, don't get too happy and don't get too sad. Just like run right down the middle and you'll be good. And it's just so, so weird because as fans, we want to be really happy or really sad. Yeah. So it's like, check yourself. Yeah. It's pretty dumb. This was pretty dumb. <laughs> I agree. It was a dumb moment on Twitter, which is to say it was a moment on Twitter. <laughs> My baby loves me, I'm so happy. Happy makes me a money girl. Took my money and bought a TV. TV brings me closer to the world. My whole life like a picture of a sunny day. My it's been a bad week for injuries around the league yeah it's been less than ideal i guess not league-wide but we lost one of the best players in baseball yeah and it means that the dodgers are like actually kind of in peril yeah of course we're talking about Corey seager yeah who will miss the rest of the 2018 season getting tommy john i hate when this happens i literally hate when position players get tommy john well also it's like we've sort of accepted that that's a thing that's going to happen to a lot of pitchers and even though it feels terrible and it sort of like questions the rest of their career and whether they're going to bounce back in the same way from it. It's like that was sort of like an occupational hazard to them. When it happens to position players, it just sort of feels like we're getting a backhand slap, right? Yeah. <laughs> and what's interesting is that like, I think that Tommy Johns have kind of been down in the last couple of years. And so of course it um, makes up for it by taking away like Corey Seager's rest of the season. Like, come on, just give us something. Yeah. Baseball and, gods. And there's some like speculation that that was for the reason why he was bad this year. He was not playing well so far. Yeah. And because like if your elbow hurts, as Fernando told us many times, that affects people. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know. It's it's really depressing to like on one hand, like it would be fun to see someone else win the NL West for a change. But on the other hand, I am one of those people who really roots for greatness and great teams and like juggernauts because I think that makes for more interesting storylines and um, like playoff series. And like a lot of what we talked about last year was there were sort of these two teams who were historically good and the Dodgers kind of trailed off with that insane losing streak. But the Dodgers and the Astros were always on a collision course and that's fun. Like say what you want about the Cavs and the Warriors meeting in the last three finals and um, probably meeting again this year. (laughs) I think that's fun. Yeah. If you like people complain about, it being inevitable that the Dodgers were just going to win the NL West every year, but 
I don't want to see them lose it for this. I'd like to see them lose it at full strength. Right, exactly. And that's the thing is like I'm not I would not be super upset if we don't get an Astros Dodgers World Series or something like that, right? Now but your mom's gonna yell at us for coming at the Dodgers now yeah, too. For for Dodgers hate. Seriously. <laughs> I will I will hear about this. The only place we won't hate is the A's. <laughs> but um yeah, this is just a, a, a shitty way to see it go down. Like to see Clayton Kershaw's velocity drop and to have Corey Seager be out for the year and Cody Bellinger get benched for a lack of hustle and have Yasiel Puig on the DL and have Justin Turner on the DL. It's like, I want to see these teams go head to head. Not one of them just completely fizzle out after so much promise. That's not interesting. The Diamondbacks are fun. I love the Diamondbacks. Their pitching staff is incredible. But like... Yeah, Robbie Ray turns out as a good pitcher. Yeah, he is a good pitcher. And so is Patrick Corbin. Patrick Corbin's very good. You know who has been good for a long time? Zach Greinke. Yep. <laughs> the Diamondbacks are good. Yeah. But, I mean, you're right. I will not weep for the Dodgers if they lose the division this year, but also I'm with you in that it's much more interesting to see them lose it at full strength. But, like, knowing the Dodgers, they will probably call up some rando from AAA and he'll hit 300 for the rest of the year and play solid defense at shortstop just because that's the Dodgers. They just shit out these good players. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know what they're doing. Maybe they should trade for Charlie Culberson again. (laughs) (laughs) Manny Machado? Anyone? Uh, I I mean, I heard that rumor, but, like, does it really make sense? No, they're not going to trade for Manny Machado. Because, like, is Manny Machado... I mean, I know Manny Machado's awesome and flashy, but, like, is he really pushing you over the top? If you don't get any of those players back, like Manny Machado might help that team if the only piece they were missing was Corey Seager. But if they dig themselves a big enough hole, then they'd just be giving up prospects to kind of get themselves back in the race. Yeah, I don't know. I think it makes more sense to just wait for everyone to get back to full strength and then next year sign like sign Manny Machado or yeah. sign I mean, Bryce Harper. I mean, or we'll whatever. see. It probably depends on where they are, like maybe come June, right? Not only if, them, they'll if, probably rip off like 15 straight wins. Yeah. God, Manny Machado is a Dodger. I can't even comprehend that right now. I can't, that's I like can't when you said to... that's like when you came in with that bullshit about how Manny Machado was going to get traded to the Phillies, which is probably going to happen now. <laughs> <laughs> Since the Phillies are really good, yeah, and the A's are the A's, the Braves are in first place. Yep. God, it sucks being a fan of the NL East. <laughs> you can't win with the NL East. It's either really good and your team can't get in the playoffs, or it's really bad and everyone tells you your team's a joke for winning the NL East. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of the NL East, uh, yeah, Jacob DeGrom had a bit of bad luck this week. Yeah, so apparently he hyperextended his elbow, although the MRI came back negative, so he doesn't have ligament damage, according to the Mets medical staff, which that's not worth anything. (laughs) But they've since fired everyone who lies about medical information, so maybe that does mean something this year. But he's going to try to start on Monday, apparently. And that phrasing to me is a little bit scary. He's going to resume resume throwing, and try to start on Monday. That's not very... You're not really instilling much confidence in me with that phrasing. Yeah. I. There have been... That's like me last semester. I'm going to try to graduate this semester. <laughs> there have been a kind of shocking number of stories actually this season about players like trying to play through injuries. And we've already had a conversation about toxic masculinity. So like... We don't need to have a second one. Yeah, just but, rewind 20 minutes. But there was, there's was there been stuff about Brandon Drury, who the Yankees traded for from the Diamondbacks this offseason, and about how he's been playing through migraines that cause him vision, causes vision to blur for, yeah. like, years. And Greg Bird didn't tell the Yankees about the extent of his foot injury, and he was playing through. And it's like... Uh, Nick, Probably because I, there were those anonymous quotes from the Yankees front office that was like, we don't think Greg Bird wants to come back. Yeah. 
those things have an effect. Yeah. The, um, there's a pitcher for the Angels, Nick Tropiano, who is, it doesn't matter the pronunciation of his name or who he is, sorry. But um, <laughs> he, he's been pitching through shoulder soreness for like most of the season. And it's like, I'm, I'm just scratching my head right now. <laughs> I don't, but I, I love, that's I like, good for the podcast for him. <laughs> just put deg- it's a ten day DL. Have him miss a start. It is not the end of the world. Uh, well, to Mets fans, it would be the end of the world. Yeah, but doing this feels even dumber. Just yeah, let him miss a start. Who cares? Yeah, they're gonna finish in fourth anyway. Yeah, why? Like, what's the point? Oh, you, so you get one more win? Okay, if Degrom pitches, he's been so good. Yeah, he's been really he's been good. so good. Yeah, to have him take it away from me this year would just be cruel yeah who is pulling these strings if so i'd need to have a conversation and ask them what i did wrong well so i know we talked about before the podcast that we weren't going to have this conversation this debate that this we've been be teasing we for continue a while. to tease we're going to continue to tease it but he did get injured at the plate swinging the bat i feel like this is a you're putting me on the spot a little bit here because you know on one hand i'm the guy who's going to who would be arguing in favor of pitchers hitting yeah. and against the dh right but you're coming at me at a moment where my guard is down because yeah. the love of my life just got hurt at the plate. But that's the point, right? Okay, we don't have to go down this road. But like, that's the whole. That's Honestly, one of that's, maybe we do have to go down this road. That's like one of the arguments is like I'm tired of seeing pitchers getting hurt at the plate. Then just learn the basics of swinging. No, I'm. I don't want to see Adam Wainwright tear his Achilles heel running out of the box either. Like, then learn how to run. I. Uh, I didn't want to. See, I mean, Phillies fans didn't want to see Ryan Howard tear his Achilles and become terrible for the rest of his career running out of the box. But that's something that you have to do in baseball. This is dumb. I don't. I don't want my pitchers learning how to hit at the expense of them learning how to pitch. Sorry, not interested in that. Pitchers should be pitching and not. Don't you want more home runs and runs? Maybe they'd be worse at pitching. More home runs, better for baseball. Hashtag viewership. Hashtag millennials. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, that's stupid. That's not actually why I think there should be no dh i think there should be no dh because i just think it's a very weird thing to do and it doesn't happen in other sports where you can just decide this is the one thing that you're i think like one of the things i like about baseball is that it's just like you don't get to decide one thing that people are bad at and just say no no they don't have to do it it just feels like very a very easy cover-up for a problem like I'm not one of those people that believes that we should just change the free throw rule in basketball because X number of people are really bad at doing that one thing, right? X number of centers are terrible at shooting free throws. X number of pitchers out of the total population of who hits, eight out of nine in the NL, which is half of the half of the league, are fine at hitting. They do fine at their job of hitting. They also have to field. They also have to learn how to do that. They also have to throw. They also have to learn how to shift and do all these different things, right? You don't get to say... I don't get to say, like, Wilmer Flores is really slow, so we get to pinch run for him every time. I think that's dumb. But the game has shifted so much in the last 150 years that, like, yeah, when when this, when this there was no DH, it's because everyone could hit and everyone could pitch. But we're not asking Manny Machado to pitch every fifth day now, right? Like, But we weren't asking every player to pitch every fifth day then either. But that's not, that's not the point. We were still asking every pitcher to hit because every pitcher could hit. Pitchers can't hit now. You know what would be it's more not, fun if pitchers could hit? Like Shohei Otani. That's fun. Yeah, but they can't, and I don't want them to try. If, if you get to the point where pitchers are actually spending a good amount of time on learning how to hit, they're just going to be I don't want them to as... spend a good amount of time learning how to hit. I want them to spend a good enough time where they can acquit themselves and not injure themselves while hitting. 
I just don't think that that's how it works. Like I, I, there feels like a pretty big gap between there's, there's a point where you kind of reach diminishing returns. Like what does not get injured look like? Like, I just don't think that that's an interesting way for a pitcher to get injured regardless. And I don't think you can just train pitchers to be just, like, to not get injured. Okay, doing fine. This but thing. it's just, it's, so it's taking away a competitive advantage that you could theoretically get by having pitchers who hit well, right? It's if not a, a competitive team... advantage. You could just put a better hitter in there. That's your competitive advantage. But that's just, that's such a cop-out to me, though. Because you could just choose a guy who all they can do is hit. That's not fun. I don't think so. Actually, I think it is fun. I think it's fun to watch players hit. <laughs> I... David Ortiz actually is very fun, in my David opinion. David Ortiz should have had to play the field. Guess what? Baseball is a lot of different things besides hitting, right? Hitting is only half the game, so you should have to do the other half. If you want to look at it from that perspective, if we don't want to just talk about pitchers hitting, right? You don't get to just bring in a guy just to shoot free throws in in the in NBA, right? I don't think that that's a fair comparison. What so, so what would be a fair comparison? There isn't one. It's baseball. Like <laughs> <laughs> Okay, fine. I'm sorry. I just don't think it makes for interesting baseball to have pitchers hit because you're never going to they're never going to spend enough time to ever become anywhere anywhere <sighs> yeah, that's what Rob Manfred said too. But like, I'm, I actually I'm, am Rob Manfred. I'm sorry. Like a few at bats a year of Bartolo Colon is not enough for me to argue this against. This is the sacrilege. <laughs> I am You're so, undermining your all gift team we, right now. We already got his home run. Like that's okay. Bartolo's gonna retire. We should have just got. Anyway. We should have just implemented the DH into the NL right after that play. Like <laughs> Honestly, stop the game, start the DH. The point is like you're never gonna get pitchers anywhere close to being a decent enough hitter where they would like. Um, make the lineup in the AL, right? Like, it's always going to be a competitive advantage in favor of the fielding team because you can just walk the eight batter to get to the pitcher. And what he's probably going to do is square up to bunt. And I'm like, this is, that doesn't make, it's like taking a knee at the end of a football game or just holding on to the basketball and letting the clock run out. Here you are yelling at me for making comparisons to other sports. I just don't think it's interesting to watch. It's like, oh, great, the pitcher's going to come up. Here's the easy out that you needed. I just, like, I think just because pitchers have become bad over time at hitting, teams made that calculation because they wanted their team, their players to get good at pitching, right? Like, teams made that calculation to gradually focus a lot more on pitching, and that was, like, that was a competitive decision that teams made, and clearly every team made it, right? So I just don't know, like... I don't know how to make a comparison within baseball, but like if over time one position on the field gets bad at something, are we just going to replace them with something with players that are good at it? What if first baseman just over time just focus a lot or shortstops over time just focus a lot more on fielding because it's a valuable position to be a fielder or a center fielder and all I start caring about is being really fast and fielding. What if every center fielder becomes Billy Hamilton? Then do you want to have the DH for center fielders? No, but I don't think that's like I feel like why? Because all Billy Hamilton can do is field and run. So, like, the, how is that different than a pitcher only being able to throw hard? I feel like it's, it's, one I feel like it's very different. I feel like pitchers are doing something entirely different from hitters as defined by the fact that we call them hitters. Like, they're two different things. But pitchers are also fielders, too, right? So you could theoretically do this with another position. Why? What's stopping us? What if every left fielder in the league becomes a bad hitter? So then we have a DH because it's more entertaining to watch a good hitter? Is that what you would want? Uh, maybe I don't know. Fifty years down the line, if every left fielder is bad, yeah, talk to me then about so then, instituting it. But then the the, the game, then you're like the going game's... down the line 
towards having yeah it's a slippery slope to having a dh for every yeah yes. you just get a you just get really good hitters for every position then if the if it would make the game fun sure Why i think not? that's like i'm not interested in quote unquote preserving the sanctity of the game and being like let's play by the rules we played 150 fair, right? years ago i'm not i'm we also didn't play with gloves but we decided <laughs> that wasn't a very good idea do you I, think we should not have gloves i'm not interested in preserving the sanctity of the game i'm just also not interested in it becoming such a specialized sport where you only have to learn how to do half the sport. I don't think that's fun. I don't think that's an interesting thing if guys just become super honed in on being able to do one thing really well. But it feel, it just feels like a principled stand of like, well, you should have to learn more. As opposed to like, it is physically unenjoyable for me to watch a pitcher hit. Like personally, I just don't think it's that interesting. I would rather see Edgar Martinez hit than uh, Randy Johnson. Uh, yeah, I guess. Personally. I guess. I, it's just, I mean, maybe I it's just agree. an aesthetic um, uh, feeling. I just can't get over the fact that we're just accepting that if one position on the field, just because it's a very special position, it just is, gets but bad it, it at is, hitting. It's different from every other position, right? Like, you are controlling the game. Sure. Yes. But I still stand by my argument that if another... That your sole basis for this is that you don't want to watch them hit... And if another position just became really bad at hitting I mean, for whatever it's reason. Not, it's not my sole basis. Like, I'm also not interested in seeing Jacob deGrom be out for the season because he swung through something, you know? <laughs> Don't say that. <laughs> but, like, that can happen to anyone, right? That could happen to your DH, too. He could be out for the season because he swung through something, too, and then you're fucked. You don't have a DH. Yeah. Or that could happen to Mike Trout, God yeah, forbid. But, yeah, but he swings through stuff for a living. So if he gets hurt doing it, it's not the end of the world. It's just dumb. It's like I see a pitcher have 30 at-bats a year, and of course on one of those okay, he so gets if Mike Trout instead of tearing his UCL. If, if Mike Trout tears his UCL trying to throw someone out at home plate, do we not want Mike Trout to throw because it might risk his hitting? I, I, that's a fallacy of an argument to just be like, if this other thing happened that I'm making <laughs> up in my head, let's change that rule. It's but like, that's not the point. Someone just decided all of a sudden, just like, we don't want pitchers to hit anymore. That was sort of a fallacy too. We just made that up out of nowhere, out of thin air. So I can't just make something up out of thin air. But it hasn't happened yet. Like pitchers had gotten bad. So we were like, okay, let's adjust this rule. You know, and Corey Seager tore his UCL. <sighs> Do we want to protect Corey Seager as a hitter? Just everyone's a DH. Everyone who's good at hitting is a DH. I can't believe we actually had this argument on the podcast. I know. We finally did it. I know. And let's, we're at... <laughs> let's, we still have to keep teasing it. We talked about just never having the conversation, but it kind of just came to a head. It's just, we're never going to agree. We just like fundamentally disagree. And to be honest, I don't lose sleep at night over this issue. I, I get I animated either, talking to you about it. But... I don't either, but every time something like this happens, it's like this is just more evidence that we should have a DH. I just, in my opinion, personally, I just feel like it's kind of a cop out. But also, I'm the fan. I'm a fan of an NL team, and you're a fan of an AL team, and I'm sure that that has something to do with it from a very young, like, age level. Maybe, but like, I don't know. I feel like I've said my piece. I just don't. I think it adds an a strange element of strategy that doesn't really get you any good returns. Like telling pitchers to learn how to hit, like they're not going to learn how to hit. I'm sorry. I don't want Sonny Gray, or that's a bad example. <laughs> I don't want Sean Manaya's ERA to go up a run just so that he can hit 220 instead of 150. I do. Yeah? Yeah. You, yeah, you really do? Uh huh. Okay. I want you every want, pitcher to get bad. Yeah. You want uh, Jacob deGrom to have a four ERA just so that he doesn't have to bunt every time he comes up. For what it's worth, if his ERA went up a run, it would only be three. Oh, damn. Yeah, your man's Owned. <laughs> All right, whatever. This is stupid. Yelling arguments are not our forte, but yeah. who cares? 
This is the second week in a row where we've like been at odds over something. What are we, where were we at odds at? Harvey. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. We're now just a hashtag embrace debate podcast. <laughs> I know, we really are. Put us on first take. We have to get like some other opinions in here, honestly. Let's interview people who like actually cover this stuff for a living. You know, we're trying. <laughs> <laughs> if you're someone who actually covers this stuff for a living and listens to this. Alright, so we have pretty much exhausted our juices for this episode, I think. Yeah, seriously. Have, it's been a long day. It's hot out. Yeah. I had an interview today. I'm dead. I need food. We've raged at pretty much everyone. We have raged at fans. Uh, we have raged at Trevor to- Bauer. Trevor Bauer. We've raged at like general toxic masculinity. And then we wrapped it up by raging at each other. <laughs> All nice. in good fun. Yes. All in good fun. If you enjoyed this to listen to, if you have a flaming hot take about Trevor Bauer, Sonny Gray, toxic masculinity, or the DH, please hit us up, tippingpitchespod.gmail.com. We got a listener email last week. Not a question, just someone reaching out. And we love that, and that was fun. So shout out to them. We hope to get more of that. Also, our DMs are open. We're really kind of tipping our hand there by announcing that we, like, got... Uh, listener email last week we're like showing how few we get that we like we'll mention you if you email us we'll mention that we yeah just like the bar is that's such a high bar for people to clear like not only listen to us also listen to the end and also email us us. i don't engage with my favorite podcasts no mostly because i feel like they wouldn't answer me yeah we will answer you yeah we will if you send us an email 100 we will answer you. we'll answer you we will address you on the podcast (laughs) like (laughs) clearly yeah but we're not desperate We're not thirsty at all. Uh, no. Uh, so thanks for listening. Uh, hopefully next time we talk to you, Jacob DeGrom is totally fine. <laughs> and Corey Seager had a magical UCL replacement that went perfectly and he doesn't need to miss any time. Yep. <laughs> thanks for listening, everyone. Say everybody.